You're listening to Inside the Peloton on Over the Top Cycling, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas, and with us from the 2015 Vuelta a España is Team Sky's Ian Boswell. Ian, always great to chat with you. Yeah, it's good being back, George, after a couple of days of uh, break for us both. Unfortunately, logistics made it where I was unable to get to a phone. <laughs> so we're going to do a, a little longer show today. Um, you're on your rest day, and we want to catch up on stages 8, 9, and 10, if that's all right. No problem. So stage 8 uh, was Saturday. Can you give us kind of some highlights of that day? Yeah, so back to all the way back to stage 8. Um, took me a while to remember what even happened, but um, yeah, I guess the, the key uh, things that happened on stage 8 um, there was a, a massive crash, maybe 60k to go, um, before we hit a, a finishing circuit into Mercia with uh, a climb. I think it's Valverde's hometown, so he kind of, I guess, had some say in the course, and it's a climb that, that he likes. Um, but yeah, there was a, a huge mass pileup, and uh, a rider from Lotto Sudal, uh, Boykmans, was riding with his one hand on the bar and one hand grabbing a bottle, and hit a massive pothole, and I think, geez, maybe 20, 30 guys hit the deck. Um, pretty high-speed crash, and there's some video footage of it, and it's pretty, uh, I guess, just nasty. Um, Boykman is actually still in the hospital in a in medically-induced coma, and I think he's doing better, but it's uh, something that kind of strikes a nerve when you're in the race and, you know, talking with him, and then all of a sudden, you know, you read about him in the hospital, and so that's really unfortunate. Um, you know, for him and I guess for the whole the whole sport, but uh, there's a few other crashes, or in, I guess in that crash, uh, TJ Van Gardner crashed out. Uh, also, Jasper Stoyven, who wound up winning that stage, a former teammate from Bond Trigger Livestrong, um, won the stage with a broken scapuloid in his hand, and Dan Martin crashed out as well. So it was a pretty eventful day. Um, and then later on in that day, uh, Rojas from Movistar crashed on this descent. Um, pretty high speed from the breakaway. Alex Howes crashed from the breakaway and Peter Sagan was taken out by a race motorcycle. So I guess in all, it was a pretty dramatic day um, as far as crashes. Um, being in the peloton, you know, we're at the front of the race most of the time, so our team came through relatively unscathed and we maintained our GC position. Um, but yeah, day that is just, it's just stressful and, you know, the, especially going over the climb in the group and, you know, it comes across the radio that there was some crashes in the breakaway on the descent just makes it all the more nervous in the peloton. And then, you know, you're also taking more caution on the downhill yourself, but some people who, you know, kind of see that as an opportunity to put the pressure on do so. So it's, uh, yeah, that was actually a pretty, a pretty stressful day, but <laughs> came through. Okay. It, my mind is just teeming with questions about all of that. And, uh, I would actually like to have a, a show with you after the Vuelta is over where we can really get into the specifics of uh, what goes on in a peloton when all of that is going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's more and more crashes, I think, all the time in racing. And, you know, I think it's due to a lot of things. You know, the, the level's higher. There's more people. You know, at this race, we have almost 200 guys in the field. Um, you know, some people have pointed out that you know, the roads are being designed more and more so towards slowing traffic down, which, you know, isn't necessarily conducive to bike races. I don't think that they should 
design roads for bike racing, but you know, every time we hit a town, um, you know, the amount of speed bumps and traffic islands and holes in the road is, is increasing all the time, um, which makes it makes it dangerous. And you know, some crashes are just inevitable, like this one that happened on Jay with the guy just having his hands on the tops and going for the bottle at the wrong time and you know, it happened to anyone but it's uh, you know, made all the worse when we're going, you know, fifty K an hour down a road running into a car. Now, how does that affect your job? Well, I mean, I guess it's, it's, I was talking to Ben King about it the other day, and it's really, I mean, it's kind of disturbing that there's really not much thought given to it. I mean, obviously, it's traumatic that, you know, people get, you know, relatively injured, like in this crash, but, you know, most times the riders are fine, and you look at this stage, you know, Stoyven crashed, broke a bone in his hand, and pushed through the pain to go through and win, you know, the biggest race of his career. Um, then I guess kind of jumping ahead to stage nine, there was another massive crash just on a big road. I'm not sure what happened, but same thing. We, Nicholas Roach crashed, and I think Sergio crashed as well. Um, and it's just kind of like immune to the sound of crashing and people, you know, getting back up after a crash. And it's, when you kind of stop and think about it, it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> well, and I hate seeing... Uh, races affected by crashing, and it's not NASCAR. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then with that stage eight, you know, Sagan was was taken out by a race motorcycle, which has happened numerous times this year. Um, and you know, the consequence. You know, he obviously, you know, was fined, and you know, didn't start the next day because of his injuries and whatnot. And you know, it's just it's really unfortunate because you know, you look at the effort that his team put in that day to go to the front the whole stage you know, he was the best sprinter in that group probably would have won a stage and then you have to see you know what's the value of a stage win you know that's taken away by you know it's not just a pack crash it was something that was you know preventable because the motorcycle wasn't supposed to be passing the, the peloton so it's yeah i think it's some issues that need to be addressed in cycling and you know have the same thing happened in san sebastian with the crash and with the motorcycle and it's uh it's unfortunate that, that it's happening so regularly. Well, not only is the stage win taken away, or the possibility of the stage win, but then the rider got fined. What's up with that? Yeah, I guess it's just, I mean, just the rules. I mean, the the driver of the motorcycle was also, I think, fined and, and thrown out of the race. Um, I think the technical terms behind Sedan's sanctions were, or uh, fines were, I guess, how he responded to the incident. You know, I think he was, there's a video, he was pretty upset with, you know, throwing some kicks and punches at his bike and things. But I guess in the heat of the moment, I think anyone would have probably done the same. Anyone who's worked that hard to to make you over those climbs and you, you put your whole team at, you know, at work to, to make sure you win that stage. And then it's taken away in the last 10K when pretty much all the work is done. Um, so I, I definitely understand his frustration in a situation like that. And because of the, the quantity of crashes going on, is that changing tactics? Is that changing uh, your strategy? Uh, what are team meetings like? Yeah, I was actually talking to, to TJ Van Gardner the other day at the hotel. He was in um, the day actually after he crashed out, so he was in a, in a cast. And you know, he was saying how you know, in races like the Tour de France, you know, every team's at the front to avoid crashes and whatnot. And, you know, he was pointing out how our team is 
you know, for the most part, come through pretty safe of all these big crashes, whether it's been in the tour or or here. And you know, it's in part to how we ride, you know, at the front as a team. And you know, because of that, the team as a whole is doing a lot of extra work. You know, especially guys, you know, uh, Kirienka, Kniez, myself. You know, doing a lot of extra work on the front, not unnecessarily, but you know, a team's riding, you're kind of riding out in the wind to block it for the rest of the team. Also sitting in the pack. But because of that, we're at the front and, you know, technically, you know, it's a, it's a bit safer, but I mean, crashes can still happen from the front, but I guess you tend to avoid more crashes being being at the front, but um, it's kind of the way that the cycling's changing is, you know, the way that our team is riding here, you know, at the front and, you know, burning some extra energy to keep, you know, the GC guys up there safe and out of trouble. So it really does affect your job. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, you know, kind of the way the sport is changing. And, you know, but the problem is if every team starts trying to do that, which, you know, of course they're allowed exactly. to, then it just becomes just as dangerous at the front. And then you have more people fighting for position at the front. And so then it's all the more dangerous. So it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if there's really any solution to, to the problem. So, all of this goes on Saturday and Sunday. What's the mood like on Monday? Well, Monday was... Uh, let me just think here real quick. Yesterday we had... Oh, yeah, so we had a, a shorter stage, um, and we're actually winning the, the Team GC here, so we wanted to you know, make sure that if a, if a big breakaway does go, we have to be in it to make sure that we're staying up there on the Team GC, so it was our goal to, to mark the moves, and we actually wound up putting three riders in the break, um, myself, uh, Salvatore Puccio, and Sergio Hanau. So we had three of us in the group, but it was a, a big group of, I think, 38 riders, so a massive group, and um, Sergio's up there on GC, so the teams behind were chasing really hard to bring it back, and from the front there was a lot of attacks and whatnot going on, being a shorter stage as well, only 140K, so um, you know you can't let a breakaway get too much time because there's not much time to bring it back. Um, so I think we were brought back around 70K into the stage. Um, it was all together. And then, again, um, there was a crash in the group, and this time Sergio and Nicholas Roach were involved. Um, so not too long after I was caught from the break, I stopped with Sergio to wait for Nicholas to chase him back on. Um, so we brought him back up, and then he had to get a bike change. Then we brought him back up again. Then Sergio did a bike change, brought him up. And then uh, running into the final climb with about 20K to go, uh, Sergio flooded. So we tried to help him back into the group again. And then he wound up catching the group and then crashing pretty heavily on the descent um, and kind of losing a lot of time in the end to, you know, kind of lost his GC place. The rest of the guys were all finished up front, uh, Nieve, Roach, and Froome. Um, but again, yeah, it was a, a short stage, but a, really intense, a really intense day, you know, with being in the breakaway and then helping these guys get back on and, and everything. So it was, uh, yeah, pretty, I guess, exciting day to be racing. You know, it actually was nice that the race went pretty quick because it was pretty action-packed. But, uh, again, it makes the day today really enjoyable to just sit around and not have to think about too much, uh, you know, bringing people back on and crashing and all that. So it's uh, been enjoying today.
Now, I'm also assuming that the pace is getting pushed harder because you do have a rest day the next day. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. You know, and I think, you know, as the race gets further into, you know, towards the end, you know, more teams are looking for stage wins and the gaps in GC are bigger. So, you know, traditionally there's a breakaway that goes and, you know, it does get 15, 20 minutes and that's your opportunity to, to win a stage. That's kind of what I was looking for in the break. Um, so the break, so more people are trying to get into the break with a chance to, to win. So, you know, you have the, all the guys going to the breaks, but then if the wrong combinations up the road, then the pack behind is pretty eager to bring it back. Um, and then obviously being a rest day, it's kind of, you know, you can dig pretty deep kind of with that thought in the back of your mind, knowing that you have a, an easy day coming up. Now, can we get into what it's like to bring people back up after a mechanical or a crash? What kind of effort are you having to put out? One, you've got to drop back. Uh, how are you notified that you're supposed to drop back? And then again, what is that effort that you've got to expend to get that rider back up to the peloton? Yeah, I mean it's it's different. I mean, kind of every time, you know, with with this crash, it was pretty fast and crosswind, so it was pretty stressful, you know, because you know you have to get them back up there as quick as possible. Um, and you know, we have race radios, so you know we're notified that okay, Nico's crashed. Um, He's getting the bike changed. You know, Ian and Salvo, can you wait for him? Um, so we don't actually completely stop with him, but kind of just drift back and, you know, wait till, you know, because if you completely stop with them, oftentimes what happens is the rider who's crashed has so much adrenaline that they just get up and go and they, you know, wind up leaving you behind. So it's better to kind of drift back through the cars um, until they get back on their bike and are rolling. You know, there's situations where you would stop with them. Um, you know, maybe help him out a bit, but in this situation, you know, he was back up on his bike, so it's like, okay, we'll just drift back, kind of wait for him to get going. Then once he catches us, Sergio, um, Puccio, and I, you know, work together to bring him back. Um, you know, but Sergio is also up there on GC, so we didn't want him to do too much work. And then you're kind of in the cars, you know, working your way through the peloton. But then because you know the other teams have radios as well. You know, they also know that, okay, Nicholas Roach has crashed, he's fourth on GC, so not to say that they're going to attack, but they might keep the pace high because, you know, they know that a, a GC threat is, is behind. Um, yeah, so we bring him back, and, you know, again, on this scenario, it was stressful to bring him back because we're through towns and there's turns, and then you're in the cars and roundabouts and speed bumps, you know, so you can obviously go faster over speed bumps and through roundabouts than a car. You know, so the cars pass you, and then you get to a speed bump, and you're passing them, and then through the roundabout, they're coming around you, and it's, uh, the whole thing's pretty chaotic. You know, I was talking to the doctor yesterday, who's new to cycling. Um, he's like, I, he said, I don't understand how you guys, you know, get through the cars and the peloton, but, you know, I guess it's kind of a common understanding with the drivers and the riders on how it's going to be done. Um, you know, they know what we're going to do, and we kind of anticipate what they're going to do. Um, but the cars here, the commissary has been pretty strict with, with motor pacing riders back on, especially after what happened to Nibali on stage one. Um, so there's not much assistance from the cars to, to bring you back to the peloton. So it takes a lot of work to, to get back up there. But with having Puccio and myself there, it, you know, we can kind of share the load to, you know, to one, get him back to the back of the pack, but then also to move him up to get into position before the climb. And because it's so late in the race, you know, it's that much more stressful. So crash happens in the middle, you have time to move up and whatnot. 
Um, but a crash happening, you know, near the end, it's made more stressful by, you know, the the time frame in which you have to, to get back to the pack and then, you know, back to the front. Yeah, because that's, I mean, not just getting them up to the Peloton, you've got to work them all the way through. And then getting through those cars, I mean, I was just thinking how you've got to be so careful because that would be so easy, I would think, to try to catch a little motor pace, but at the same time, you can't be on there too long or you're going to get a fine. And I, my hat's off to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, you have that. We also have, you know, the cars, you know, obviously can accelerate faster than us, but then you, know, you kind of have to be looking through the cars because if there's a speed bump up, the cars are going to slam on the brakes. So you have to kind of, you know, if you're too far to the one side of the car and you can't go around it, then you're kind of in trouble, especially you know, if you have four guys in a line. You know, the person on the back is kind of just putting the faith in the person on the front to bring them back. And, yeah, the whole thing's pretty crazy. I kind of wish that I could do, like, a time freeze and put, you know, my friends and family on a bike and push play and have them see, you know, the the inside workings of the Peloton. And, you know, there is, you know, those cameras on the bikes now, which capture quite a bit, but I don't think it fully grasps the, the stress and, you know, chaos of a Peloton. So maybe you don't want your family to see what you're going through. Yeah, maybe not, yeah. So on rest day, um, I assume you're getting out and riding a little bit. Yeah, so this is actually my first rest day I've ever had in a race. Um, so I spent some time yesterday talking with, with the coaches and you know, kind of asking them what, what they think I should do. And um, So I think you know the main thing was you know, to kind of to listen to your body. And so we had a a little bit of a sleep in and then some of the guys had a bit of a media day this morning um, or some journalists and whatnot. And then we all left at 11 o'clock in a group, um, four of us doing a little bit shorter ride, four of us doing a longer ride. So I went with the, the shorter group just because the coaches said, Hey, being your first grand tour, let's make sure you do enough, but not, not overdo it. Um, so I just did an hour and a half with, you know, still did actually a pretty, decent 20 minute interval just to kind of stay open which is seems kind of strange to do on a recovery day but i guess you know physiologically it helps keep your body kind of firing without taxing it too much um and the gc guys so from roach nieve and sergio went went a bit longer i think they did two hours but went to see the final climb from the stage tomorrow just to, to kind of scout it out and yes you're in the pyrenees so what's coming up tomorrow well, tomorrow is being touted as the most difficult stage possibly ever. Um, so it's only 138 kilometers, but it has 5,200 meters of climbing, um, which is ridiculous. I mean, the to feet, that's, I don't know, 18,000 feet of climbing in that's ridiculous. five wow. miles or something. Um, so it's literally, there's four Cat 1 climbs, one horse category climb, and one Cat 2 climb. Um, there's not a not a flat section of road on the course. Um, it's possibly going to be raining as well. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's a big day, <laughs> big day tomorrow. So we've kept you here much longer than normal. Really appreciate you spending uh, no the worries. time. Uh, are you looking forward to tomorrow? Um, I think I'm looking forward to tomorrow if I feel good. I think it's a kind of a day that I've looked at and said, hey, this could be a, a really good day to. You know, for us as a team and me personally, you know, to, to help out the team in the mountains. Um, but at the same time, you know, like I said, being my first rest day, it'll be interesting to see how, how I respond and 
you know, also how the how the peloton races it. You know, it could be you know full gas from the beginning. It could be you know where guys know it's going to be a hard stage. The first couple climbs are easier. Um, really, kind of just all depends on you know one how I'm feeling, and then two how how the other teams go about it and and their tactics. Uh, but it could definitely be well, regardless of how hard it's raced, it's going to be a pretty hard day on the bike. Ian Boswell, Team Sky, thanks so much for joining us on your rest day from Andorra at the Vuelta a España. Uh, best of luck to you and the team tomorrow. Thanks, George, and I'll uh, check in tomorrow after the stage. All right, I really look forward to talking with you. Inside thanks, the George. Peloton on Over the Top Cycling, Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Ned Fulmer. I'm Ariel. We're from the Try Guys, and we have a new podcast called Baby Steps. It's an irreverent parenting podcast because parenting is not perfect. We just had a newborn, baby Finn. I got pooped on. Ariel has pink eye. <laughs> I don't have a big guy. <laughs> we talk to some experts. We even bring you 4 a.m. thoughts from our garden. Oh my gosh, it's literally 4 a.m. Just to <laughs> go back here, I thought I got poop in my eye. Yeah. And that causes pink eye. Parenting is a mess. We're a mess. You're a mess. Join us every Sunday. Listen to Baby Steps on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends. <laughs>